Welcome to the Yoga Liberty Podcast. My name is Angelica. This podcast is for aspiring yoga teachers and yoga teachers, basically people who want to live their dream of teaching yoga and helping others. I've been teaching yoga full-time since 2005. I've owned three yoga studios. I've taught over 50,000 people in-person yoga, and I have no idea how many people have taken my online yoga classes. I currently do online yoga teacher training, and I love helping people live their dreams. So if you're here for that, keep listening. And thank you so very much. I absolutely appreciate you more than you'll ever know. Are you a yoga teacher searching for the perfect platform to host your online classes, workshops, and trainings? Well, look no more. Offering Tree is an affordable one-stop solution for yoga teachers who want to create an online presence, capture emails, create offers, and sell online classes and courses. Offering Tree is specifically focused on the needs of yoga teachers because it was made by yoga teachers for yoga teachers. I use it myself. Use the link offeringtree.com slash Angelica and receive a discount of 50% off on your first three months of a monthly plan or 15% off your first year on an annual plan. That's up to $88 off, which is some pretty good karma, I think. I'll leave the link in the description below or visit offeringtree.com slash Angelica to get started online today. Welcome, everyone. I am so excited to invite my friend Marissa to the podcast today. I'm super, super grateful that she decided to come on. Marissa is a longtime friend of mine and my realtor. She helped me to get into every single place that I lived in in Las Vegas, and she helped to negotiate my commercial lease on Sin City Yoga when I was ready to move and get to a larger space. She also helped me to expand in my yoga studio and advocated for me with my landlord. Marissa, I met her. She had just become a realtor and now she has grown. She used to specialize in high-rise apartments as a realtor, but now she actually owns her own brokerage called Envy Brokers in Las Vegas, Nevada. She has real estate agents who work for her, not just herself. And she is integral to the downtown area of Las Vegas, Nevada, and the growth that we've seen in the Arts District and downtown. Today, we're going to talk about real estate considerations when opening a yoga studio. So welcome to the podcast, Marissa. Well, thank you for such a warm introduction, Angelica. I hope I can live up to it on your podcast. Well, I actually forgot to tell everyone that you were voted top 10 realtors under 30 in Las Vegas. Is that correct? Uh, so I was nominated for that. Um, <laughs> I, the, one of the top 25 agents in high-rise residential sales, and I'm number one in the arts district. So, so yeah. you're kind of a big deal. I, I like to think so, but with my ego <laughs> and it is a yoga podcast. So we are putting, we are checking away our egos today. Namaste. Namaste. Nam <laughs> so um, why does someone even need a realtor when they're looking to open a yoga studio? Well, I think this is a common question people get, um, you know, when they go to sell their home even or, or, or anything, they're like, well, why do I need a professional in that, in that realm? And, and the truth is, it's, it's just, we can relate this back to yoga. You want somebody that's knowledgeable, professional, 
and who has insight in the area or the the product you want to purchase. So it's it's important to find an agent um, that is well uh, well received in your area because they might have little insights and little nuances and small ins to get you in with into a good deal or into a good location that you might not otherwise be able to achieve on your own. So when I first met you, you know, I was very skeptical of real estate agents because I'd been burned in the past. And what are some questions that people can ask to make sure that they're connecting with a dependable, respectful, helpful, knowledgeable agent? So I guess one of the biggest ways to kind of filter in this business is to read reviews. So if an agent has positive reviews on multiple platforms, not just one, um, they are usually more well-respected in their industry and they have a better grasp of how to treat a client as a whole. Um, Now, there's always some exceptions to that rule, but that's definitely the first place I'd start in my research. And then my second would be to get on the phone and see if they pick it up. So how available is the agent to you? For you, to you, how, I mean, I'm a busy agent, but I still do my best to make time for every client and schedule time with them to pick up the phone, to go through their criteria and to meet them on site. Yeah, I've always found you to be incredibly professional and available and on time. Um, Most people, I think when they get a realtor, they just go and get a referral like, oh, my friend's a realtor now, or my friend's mom is a realtor, or my friend's brother is a realtor. So yeah, you should go be with them. And the danger in that is that, you know, realtors really do specialize in different things. They do. And, and everyone's brothers, sisters, moms, cousins, a realtor, um, <laughs> but not everyone is a professional who does this full time for a paycheck. A lot of people are hobbyist realtors. So finding someone who spends every day, not just nine to five, you know, breathing real estate. I mean, they need to be eat, sleeping, living real estate. Um, so I really think it's important to to not only find someone that has good reviews that you vibe with on the phone that can make the time for you, but also someone who aligns with your um, overall morals and goals. Um, you know, the reason I think we do well in a in a client service relationship is um, I freaking like you. You know, like <laughs> I know. you got work with. And I think you like me too. So <laughs> you gotta be able to vibe with them. Um, it's gotta well, feel a little bit we like have the friend. same, we have the same, like, I don't want to look at a bunch of units. Right. I'm all like, this is the one. Okay. We're good. Like, <laughs> like I want, I That's want to, I want to, I want to like, I want to tell you what I want. And then I want you to be like, okay, look at this. And then I just want to trust you and just go for it. But yeah, you were going to say I'm actually the exception. You are in some (laughs) respect are very easy to work with client, you know, and a lot of clients aren't necessarily like you as very cut and dry, but that's why we get along. And there are other agents who love looking at a hundred properties and there are people who like to window shop me and you aren't one of them. So finding an agent you vibe with on that level is super important. 
Well, I'm very business focused, you know, so any time that's being taken away from me, you know, act, like when we opened the sec, the second studio and we found that space together, my whole thing was every moment that I'm paying for this space, that it's not built out is a dollar out of my pocket, you know? So I was like, let's just get this done. Let's get all this paperwork in. Let's do it. Let's move it. You know, like every minute that I'm in this tiny space in this 400 square foot space is, is a moment that I'm not in this new 3000 square foot space that will help me build my business. So I just wanted to, to move and get that over with and then start doing the build out because that, that can take a long time. It only took us 21 days, but we- <laughs> <laughs> exception, Angelica. I know, and it was during Mercury retrograde. So whatever people say about Mercury retrograde and all that is just, you can get it done if you want, if you're driven. And, and I think that's another good point to bring up is, is having a clear timeline for a real estate professional is super important. It shows me that a client is serious when they come to me and they say, I want to be in my next commercial space in the next 90 days or the next 30. And I know how quick I need to work and how quick I need to move. So coming to the table with having a money in hand and B a clear timeline really helps. What, um, can, let's talk about money because that's something that people ask me a lot. They ask me like, how much money do I need to start a yoga studio? And, you know, for me, I started my first space with less than $5,000 and I started my second space with about $30,000. Um, so, but there's a wide variety there. What, what kind of, what kind of, um, what, what would you advise people when they're talking about money? Like how much should they have upfront? So if you're leasing a commercial space um, that's already built out, it's it's more cut and dry. It's very typical to a standard, um, you know, lease you'd have on an apartment. You know, you you negotiate terms. Maybe you have some some electrical things and and water stuff to work out with the landlord. But that's something your your realtor should run you through in terms of how much you're actually spending a month. Um, I always say it's a good idea to have at least six months of reserves in the bank. Um, and that way you could, you don't have to worry about, okay, if this build out takes me longer than the 21 days I predicted, you know, do I have the money to float it? Um, and that's what I say to even my new real estate agent. It is, do you have at least six months of reserves? So that's always kind of my safety net go-to with business owners, uh, whether they be yoga teachers or realtors. So, um, something that people don't know about is like, um, that there are other costs than just rent, right? So Mm -hmm. sometimes there's like cams and things like that. So can you talk a little bit about like, what are some of the other costs that you might have and, and what are they? Cause I know what cams are, but people might not know what that is. And what are, what are some of the other costs to think about when you're renting a space or, you know, or buying a space. If you're lucky enough to have the money to buy a space as a yoga studio owner, good, good on you. Um, <laughs> but if you're, if you're leasing a space, like most of us, what are, you know, what are some of the other expenses? Um, I mean, cams are something you always need to consider. I think insurance is something people often kind of forget till the last minute, you know, they're getting their lease signed and they're like, Oh wait, I need insurance on this place. So insurance costs, um, also your, your signage change, even if you have a built out space, you're still going to want to brand it as you. 
And signs, as you know, you put up the Sin City Neon. That was expensive. It was a $5,000 sign. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's, of course, cheaper sign options, but just knowing going in that you're going to have to rebrand this studio as your own, um, keeping that cost in mind, even if it's something as small as like door decals, um, you know, for your actual space or, or putting your name on the marquee, whether it be outside or interior in the lobby, you're in a kind of a shared space. Um, and then of course, if you need to change anything like flooring or, um, or just aesthetic wise, like if you need shelving for, for the studio design, I guess I should say design as a whole. Um, plus, are you going to need a phone line? Um, are you going to need staff to answer that phone? Where is that phone line being forwarded to when you're outside of the studio? Um, on top of lock and change keys, um, you need to change the locks, likely. Locks were stupid expensive. Right? I had- I had like a a really heavy duty lock and do not duplicate and all that. And they were really expensive to replace. Yeah. Most landlords will provide you with a a working lock and key, but again, is it as safe as you need it for your business and and the area you're opening in? And then is it, um, it does, do five other people have a copy of this key? How many people have leased this space before me? Um, yeah, so I think those are all things you need to keep in mind when leasing a space on top of utilities and water and things like that. Because like CAMS, which is like the taking care of the external, the 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 outside, the facade, the grass, cutting, you know, do, dealing with parking lots, CAMS can sometimes be more than your rent. They can, it, depending on the building in the area, 100%. So it's something to ask about before you're renting. And then what about like when you're looking for a landlord, what are some red flags? Um, I think a landlord that doesn't have a clear, um, concise lease um, is probably a big red flag. Um, You know, working with a realtor can also protect your bottom line because we can check tax record information. We can make sure that the landlord leasing the space is actually the true owner of that space. Um, I think landlord, like the same when choosing your agent, you should also vibe with your landlord, even if it's just a little. They might have a position of power over you to some respect, but usually you're coming in and improving the space, therefore the neighborhood and the aesthetics of the whole area. So you as a tenant are actually doing a landlord a great service. So don't get in this mindset that a landlord is quote unquote above you just because they own the space, but of course, treat them with respect as we would treat anyone walking down the street, um, knowing that they do have the power to kick you out down the line when your lease is up. And the power to increase your rent too. So true too. Yeah. Yeah. My landlord, um, at the second space, we were just, she asked me actually for your phone number last night, she messaged me and was like, Hey, Marissa asked me something about, can you send me your contact information again? So it's just, you know, we're still friends and it's been years since I sold that space. I would rent from her again in a second. She's such an incredible human being and really had a vision for uh, main street in the arts district and, and as an integral part of that revitalization down there. 
100%. I actually, I called her because we just purchased a um, commercial space for a new office and it was an old dry cleaners and we had a bunch of vintage clothing in it. So she was very excited to kind of get her hand. I bet she was excited about that. <laughs> uh, so, but that's, that's also what I mean is like, you have that relationship with your landlord, which is so important. I know that I can call her and I'm like, Angelica, she, I name drop you. She's like, Oh my God, how are you? She just, she barely remembers me, but she remembers you. Um, well, it's funny because she really, uh, she really didn't want me to work with a realtor. She was like, I'm not going to pay a realtor's fee. I'm not going to work with realtors. So I actually had to pay for you myself when we did the negotiation of the deal because she refused to, but I felt like it was so important that I have my lease reviewed and have the negotiations done by an expert than to just do it myself. Because on my first studio, I just did it myself and it ended up poorly in the end. Now I had to do that because I had very little money and it is what it is, you know, and, and the situation is what it was, but um, I did not do that in the second student. I'm really grateful that you were there because it did help me to feel really good. And you were an integral part of that studio when I owned it. And definitely a lot of my, my students came to you and worked with you later. So um, I think that that was really important for everyone. You became a very big part of our community there. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you and, and you changed my life by, by gifting me a year of yoga as part of my payment, which I really appreciate. I didn't remember that. <laughs> I, well, it changed my life. I became a yogi after that, which I mean, trying to deal with any high stress job. Like I need my yoga outlet. I'm so thankful that I still have that practice. Um, but what I do want to point out is in most cases, having a realtor represent you on the tenant side costs you nothing. Um, your situation was unique because it wasn't a marketed property. Um, you know, we were just walking the area, but that, that cost is usually a landlord cost. So for most yoga people starting out, using a realtor as a tenant is completely free. It's usually completely free if you're buying a property with us too, with the exception of a transaction fee in Nevada. What, um, so I have always rented from smaller time landlords, like people who didn't own like really large spaces or like strip mall types of places because I didn't, I wanted to avoid um, cams and I wanted to avoid, um, I just feel like the traffic in strip malls really isn't that great. I got, it depends on where you're at, but just for what I was doing and the kind of vibe I, I personally wanted to create wasn't a strip mall vibe. That's not to say that other people wouldn't, you know, some people really want to create that vibe, but one thing to look out for when you're getting a lease in a strip mall is sometimes they do percentage of income. Can you talk a little bit about what those types of leases might be like? Yeah. So um, these are common in, in like a strip mall setting. Um, essentially, you pay the, the say, Simon Malls a percentage of whatever revenue you bring in just by being in under their um, quote unquote roof and um, by their foot traffic. So you're actually paying for foot traffic, which 
to me, doesn't make a whole lot of sense in a yoga studio setting. But again, I don't know every area of the US. Um, so maybe in certain smaller towns, a strip mall might be more ideal. But um, and that's not to say that every strip mall charges those fees, but they but they can be charged. So that is something to look out for. Um, I think some of the best questions to ask an agent when you're looking in a particular area is I want to know about all, all costs associated, including if I need a specialty type of insurance. Mm. Some, some commercial spaces are in flood zones um, or have more restrictive things. I know California has a lot more restrictions than Nevada. Um, so just having a knowledgeable agent who, who can help you navigate different areas of town and what those requirements are is super critical. When you're looking for a space, something that's a really top thing to look for is demographic and understanding who lives in that area because people typically will not go further than five miles from their home to come to your yoga studio. Um, so can you talk a little bit about what you wanna look for in demographic and how an agent can help you with that? So, Yes and no. So ethically speaking, I can speak in general terms on demographic, but uh, as a realtor, you walk a very fine line. Um, you can't really, I can't tell you if there, if, if there's more um, of a particular race in one area or not. I can't speak on um, affluency in terms of income. That's also a no-no. Oh, so, really? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Okay. So I guess like what I really look for is how many people, how many houses are there around an area versus can, how much commercial business there is? Because if it's a real heavy commercial area that, and nobody's living there, like if there's no houses, there's no people, then yeah. you can't open in that space. <laughs> for sure but we can speak on the number of homes that's completely okay we just can't speak about necessarily the type of person that might live there because then we start getting into ethical and fair housing practices and things that we just you know as a whole can't can't talk about yeah, but yeah I didn't even think about that I didn't even think about that that's really and it's funny because my brain wasn't even thinking about it that way like obviously and you can't talk about this I can um you want to be around people who have money <laughs> if you're if you want to run a, a business that's you know um yoga studios are a affordable luxury they're usually not very expensive but it's one of the first things that people have to cut if they're not making it financially for whatever reason um so I do always kind of look around areas where people have some disposable income. However, that being said, the areas that I opened my studio, both of them in, were not like incredibly wealthy areas. There were up and coming areas that were very mixed as far as wealth goes. So I think that you can be successful in all different kinds of areas, but it is important that the people in your area have some kind of disposable income because otherwise they won't be able to afford your product. Um, that's just something I learned in, re in um, retail, but you, you don't have to talk about that. I don't want to put you in a position where you can get in trouble. <laughs> no, no worries. And it's a common question realtors get. And I think um, it, it's a little disheartening not to be able to speak very frankly, because that's the type of person. But um, I think more so it's, it's important that 
people people recognize and understand that a agents aren't allowed to talk about this and this is something you need to put together in your business plan and understand the graphics area before you just decide to look in this particular area and have that knowledge base that's something you need to bring to the table just like your timeline and your funds okay what are some of the best kind of spaces for a yoga studio uh that's a loaded question um i think there's a I'm like high ceilings <laughs> there's so a you can have ceiling fans <laughs> Yeah, you don't want people getting hit in the head if they're six foot with a, a ceiling fan. Do you remember um, when I did, built out the third space and the, the electrician, bless, I love him. He's an incredible human being. I love my electrician, but he hung the ceiling fan so low that if people put their arms up, it would have cut their fingers off. <laughs> I was like, you have to raise those ceiling fans. <laughs> I think. Yes, I mean, you have to have high ceilings, good flooring, even flooring. We found that out with your your studio build out that it wasn't quite even in there. Right. The third, the third studio did have good flooring, but the first studio, I did not, I did not have the con, the second studio, I did not have the contacts to find someone who could level my floor before I laid my floor. And I was like, well, it's fine. It's click and a floating floor. So it'll just float. And I didn't think that it might just break, which it did. And I had it like fixed later, but that didn't really, that fix didn't really work. And, you know, I, what I have noticed from working at yoga studios all over the country for, you know, 20 years now is that, um, everyone struggles with their floor. That's like a pretty common issue that yoga studios have is that they're always having problems with their floor. In Miami, the floors would buckle a lot. And so when you're in, in like I literally was in a yoga studio that the floor was like this. It was crazy from the moisture. So uh, another studio, they did all cork floors in Miami and that fixed their problem. But if you did cork floors in Las Vegas, they would dry up and they would crack and they would be awful. So yeah. it, it just depends on where you're at. And they also told me I wanted to do bamboo and they were like, do not do bamboo in Las Vegas. They, they need moisture. So, you know, flooring, a flooring expert can really help you. Yeah. I think, I think if you're going to spend any money on your build out, it should be on the floors because that's where everyone's spending their time. Right. Yeah. Um, I also think ample parking is a big part of having a successful yoga studio. I know that there was maybe a couple of times where I pulled up to your studio and I couldn't find parking anywhere and I just gave up, you know, yeah, that's gotten worse over the years. When I first opened, there was tons of parking, tons. but now there's almost no parking and I'm not really sure what they're doing with that. Like we, you know, we haven't talked about that recently. I'm not, I'm not just calling them up and being like, Hey ladies, how's your parking situation? Like, <laughs> right. but, um, but I know that was, you know, that became an increasing concern and parking is crucial because people don't plan their time well. So they'll show up like a minute before class and not give themselves any time to get situated. And if they can't find parking, they're going to become even more frustrated. And then they're going to come in and they're going to be highly stressed out and you're going to have to calm them down or they're going to come in and interrupt class and be late. And, you know, that's going to be a problem too. 
a hundred percent because that that's me. Me as a yogi is is showing up five minutes before class, trying to skate into my onto my mat. And you know, if I can't do that quickly and easily, I'm frustrated. And yeah. I'll just up because I got I'm a professional and I gotta do five other images. So um or five other things, you know, instead of yoga that day. But yeah, parking, good flooring and decent foot traffic because you do or or drive by traffic um is important too be because you have to get people to your studio and, and online's great. You'll you'll get a lot of traffic that way by having reviews and an online presence, but ultimately like me driving by your studio almost every day on the way home made me want to stop, you know, made me want to be a member, made me want to continue that. So yeah, when we moved from the garage to the main street space, I saw an increase in my membership of three times, you know, so it was a massive increase. Well, and I think you also had a massively different space now, um, yeah. next, you know, like, and you were able to fill it. And that's, that's always my thing when I take on a new agent and, and they're like, I'm like, how much do you want to make a year? And they tell me, well, I want to make $50,000. And I'm like, why not a hundred? You know, <laughs> I'm like 50, I want to make $3 million a year. <laughs> but, but why limit yourself? So if you're, if I think if, if you're a, a yogi who's like, well, I'm not sure that I can support this large of a space yet. I think you have to quote unquote manifest that larger space. You were worried about taking on, you know, the initial 1500 square feet. Yeah. And I, and I looked at you and I was like, I know that you will do this. Like, this is you, this is what you do. Um, and I think, you know, obviously don't bite off more than you can chew. Don't rent a 3000 square foot space and expect to fill it in a week. But if you have a strong practice with a decent number of clients in a great location with ample parking, don't be afraid to take two to 300 square feet larger than you thought you needed. Yeah. Yeah. More space is always better because then what I did was I found people to rent the space, which is how I made a partnership with Trauma Recovery Yoga. And then they started doing all of their trainings at my studio. So when I was in my downtime, when I didn't have classes, they would be having trainings. And then that way my studio would be filled more hours of the day. But another one of the things that I did when I moved to that space is I was already making enough money to pay for that space. So I wasn't, I could have paid for the space and then not had any extra, but I was already had enough members to just pay for that space, um, which I think is important. Um, but then it, it, you know, universe took over and whatever, like within a month I was just crushing it. So it's always like, like online, switching to online has been a lot more challenging for me than in person. Um, and usually like everything just happens for me in 30 days. Um, and that was not my experience online. So that's been challenging, but, um, you know, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, <laughs> you can't have everything happen in 30 days. <laughs> yeah. No, you can't have everything happen in 30 days, but most leases can commence within 30 days. <laughs> Yoga space in as little as 30 or less. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, removing fear around talking to a real estate professional about 
you know, your journey into leasing a space or potentially purchasing if you, if that's in the cards for you, it is super important. And they can tell you, Hey, this is a good lease rate. This is the, you know, the price per square foot that you're going to find here. Whereas, you know, down the street, Hey, the price is double, but it's not really worth it. You don't get any more traffic for X, Y, and Z. So. Yeah. So without like, without releasing confidential information of how much I paid for my leases, when I took on the third, the, the third space that I opened, I really didn't want to. And I talked it over with you and you were like, the comparables are like four times as much as you're paying for that. Like you would be stupid not to take that space. And so <laughs> I think the turning point for you is when I said, you know what, I'll lease it. <laughs> and I was like, no. That's a deal. I knew that I could take on a space like that for freaking pennies and <laughs> run my office out of it for, you know, the meantime until we purchased. And I think once, once you saw how incredible of a deal it was, it was hard to turn away True. and it propelled you to grow even larger, which is how you were able to sell for what you did. Yeah. And really like, I would not have been able to sell if I hadn't opened that second, that, that second side. So that's really what, what tipped the, the saleable. Like, honestly, I signed that lease and with, within 30 days, I had already sold the studio. So, you know, after the the build out. (laughs) Yeah. It was a good time. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was a lot of work. (laughs) You know, any new business, whatever it is, is always a lot of work, but uh, you and me are both evidence that it is a great way to live, right? It is, and it's possible. Both you and I picked ourselves up from bootstraps. We both are self-funded. We both are people who came not from massive means. We do not come from wealthy families. We we definitely have made everything that we have for ourselves. So we are, are examples, living examples of anyone can do it. So. Definitely. And I think, um, I think it's really incredible what you're creating with training people online, because now you have a global reach, whereas before we're more localized. And I think it's, it's pretty dope because you changed my life with yoga. So I can't imagine how many more people you're going to change their lives on. Well, thank you for saying that. I'm pretty excited about it because I'm doing yoga teacher training in a whole new, really old fashioned way. Um, I'm just doing it one on one now. I'm not taking any group classes. I'm doing everybody one on one. So each week people get it's a 10 week course and every week people get released new content. And then at the end of their week, they meet with me, they submit their video practicums, we go over everything we talk for one to two hours about what they're learning, what what they need help with how they can build their business. Um, and just their individual needs. And it's so much more rewarding than group is because you really get to know each individual student very deeply. And I researched a lot of online yoga teacher trainings and just found that they're just, you know, a lot of people aren't graduating. They'll, They'll have a ton of people signing up. You know, there's this one training, they have about 400 people sign up a month and they have one or two people graduate a month. 
And that's not what I wanted for people. You know, if you take my teacher training, I want you to graduate. I want you to go out and teach people. I don't want to take your money. I want you to do something with it, you know, so that we can grow because I have seen yoga change the lives of so many people. So I'm really excited. I just launched um, the new training in January. And so I'm super excited to share it with people. And, um, you know, I just finished the landing page a few days ago, just like got it really, really beautifully set up so that people can really see what they're getting out of the training. And so it's, uh, and it's somehow by some miracle, of God, I purchased yoga teacher training yoga. So it's www.yogateachertraining.yoga. Right. Yeah, right. Like it's a really good URL. And then at the same time, I also purchased online yoga certification.com. And I'm going to turn that into a blog of a bunch of different things about becoming certified to teach yoga. So I've got some, I've got the backing of the universe. You do. I think that. That's really great. All the steps you're taking to reach more people. Well, I'm going to be in Las Vegas in March. I think we're going to be there for the whole month of March. So hopefully we'll be able to connect. And I'd love to see your new space that you just purchased and the space that you're currently in. I would show it to you. I can't wait. That'd be awesome. So if you are interested in buying a home or doing any commercial real estate in the Las Vegas area, please reach out to Marissa at nvbroker.com or you can check her out on Instagram at nvbroker. Um, she is incredible. I'll leave um, links to everything in the description below. She is really, she can be trusted. She told me that in the beginning that she could be trusted. And I was like, I don't believe you. And I ended up renting a place that I didn't like as much as the one that she suggested to me. And I'm my whole life have been like, why didn't I just move in the place that Marissa said to move into? So she's definitely trustworthy and incredible and has been an amazing friend. And not just that, but also um, a professional connection that I've been grateful to have in my life. So you've made me a better person, Marissa. Thank you for coming on today. Oh, thank you for having me. I, I'm truly honored.